helping you unwind after a long day of work. I think he's kind of a boob. Ken really taking the day south as a person. You can't go out there and be a moron. It doesn't work like that. The Nightcap. We're eating their food. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Back from vacation, back from the MLB All-Star game yesterday at a 7 o'clock game. Preamps the nightcap. You get me today. And then tomorrow and the next day because the Stanley Cup Finals are over. So you get a lot of me coming up. Special edition of the nightcap next week, a week from tonight, on the expansion draft night. Seattle will pick their team. We'll find out who the Sabres will lose to the expansion draft. And that's really where the focus of today's show will lie. So the nightcap, Joe DiBiase, 803-0550 is the phone number. Jeff Skinner waves his no-movement clause today, and now we finally are starting to get a clearer picture of what the Sabres' protection list is going to look like and the options that are going to be on the table for the Kraken to be able to take a player from the Buffalo Sabres, which they will do. And it's starting to look more and more favorable. When we did this about a month ago, we just kind of ran through different possibilities for the Sabres protection list, what Seattle would be looking at. It didn't look great. It didn't look great, and it still doesn't look perfect. But the Skinner waving his no-movement clause was something in the way that you needed to have happen. You still need one more thing to happen to get a perfect result. Ensure a perfect result for the Sabres next Wednesday night. But starting with forwards, because the Sabres are going to go seven forwards, three defensemen, one goaltender. It's just going to happen. Let's run through that, because their other option is to go eight skaters and one goaltender. The one goaltender, let's throw out goalie altogether. They have one guy under contract, Dustin Tokarski. They need to expose him in order to meet the requirements for exposure. So Tokarski is going to be exposed. Seattle's not taking him anyway. They're going to protect probably Allmark's negotiating rights. He'll be a UFA the next week, but you don't got anything else to protect, so you might as well protect Allmark's negotiating rights, I guess. So... You go and you look at forward. Your two options, eight skaters or seven forward, three defensemen. If you were to go eight skaters and protect both Ristolainen and Borgen on the back end, that leaves yourself with four forwards. Eichel, still on the team, you got to protect him. Reinhardt, still on the team, got to protect him. Major trade assets. In fact, you are rebuilding your team with those two players. It just won't be with them on the ice, seemingly. Eichel, that seems like more of a surety than it is Reinhardt. You're getting prospects. You're getting picks from those two guys. They need to be protected. All right, so that's written in stone. You go with eight skaters. You're only left with two other options. And you've got Victor Olofsson. You've got Middlestat. You've got Thompson, Bjork, Asplin. Way too many guys. It just doesn't make any sense. So you go back to seven forward, three defensemen. The most common protection, which I think probably every team in the league will end up using, the Sabres will use it. They'll protect seven forwards. And you're at Eichel and Reinhardt. And Olofsson, you you mark him down because that's a 20-plus goal scorer in the league. 
if Seattle wanted to work out a side trade with Olafson, I would be all about that. I want the Sabres to move on from Olafson in a trade, irregardless of what he means to the expansion draft. That is a player that is 25 years old. He will be 26 at the start of the season. He is a finished product. He has had seen no development in his game since he arrived from Sweden. He is a player with an elite shot and doesn't have much else. He is still that player. And a finished product that's 25 years old that can give you more youthful assets. Give me two assets that could become something more and maybe not, but I'm willing to take that risk because I don't think Victor Olofsson means all that much to the future of the Buffalo Sabres. Middlestat had a great bounce-back season. That being said, by the way, Olsen's protected. Middlestat is the next guy. In fact, he maybe should be number three on this list. Because he is a center. And right now, we don't know what we're getting back for Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhart. There's no guarantee that the pieces you get back are going to be centermen. There's no guarantee that the guys you get, even if they are centermen, are going to translate to that position in the National Hockey League. Trevor Zegras, who projects to be a center, he played a little wing at the beginning of his career with the Anaheim Ducks in his limited action that he saw. There's no telling whether or not he'll actually be that centerman you want. And I don't want Middlestat to be their plan as a number two center going forward, but he showed enough last year to remain hopeful that that could happen. That it's within the range of outcomes that Middlestat could still become your second line center. And if not, we saw enough in him last year that, alright, top six forward, middle six scorer, depth scoring, he's going to give me something. That's the way last year was trending. He's going to give me something, and he is 22 years old, and he is still cheap. And if you want it, sunk cost fallacy, they put an eighth overall pick into him. They are going to want to keep that guy. He's next on this list. Guaranteed protected. Tage Thompson has got to be the next guy. I don't love Thompson as a player. He drives me insane. He does things on the ice without thinking at least three, four times a game. But he showed well under Granado last year. He produced well. He was on a 20-goal pace. And same thing with Middlestat, the sunk cost fallacy. I mean, you are going to want to keep that guy around solely because they want to make it work for the O'Reilly trade. I don't think it's going to happen for him. I really don't. I don't think there is a 20-goal scoring player in there. He does not have the hockey IQ that it takes to produce in the league and utilize the skills that he has. He doesn't use his body well. He doesn't have the hands to get away with not being able to use his body well. And his shot is hard, but it's not all that accurate. He's not a goal scorer. Some elite goal scorer with his shot. So, I don't know what I have. I have a big body that can skate and can shoot the puck hard. I mean, you want to think that can work, but to this point, I'm not seeing enough signs that it's going to. But I think because of the trade itself of O'Reilly and him being a major part of it, he's here. He's just here. And then, so now I'm at I'm at five. And now I've got two spots left. This is why today made it so easy with Skinner. Rasmus Asplund and Anders Bjork. Gotta be the final two. Bjork, they just traded for. I mean, he's probably going to be the most valuable part of 
the Taylor Hall trade. You want him to become something to kind of save face on that deal. Plus, he's got the youth, 24 years old. He's got he's got the low cap hit, hit with $1.6 million. He'll be an RFA after the year. He's cost-controlled for a while. And kind of like Thompson, he played really well under Granado. And that could be a third-line guy that can penalty kill, can kind of be one of your two-way guys. I like Bjork as being a part of this team and him being uh, protected on the expansion draft. And then Asplund, same thing. Asplund was on almost a 40-goal pace under Don Granado last year. I don't think that's going to hold up. In fact, I it's not going to hold up. I don't think it's not going to hold up. I can go a lot stronger than that. Rasmus Asplund's not going to be a 40-goal scorer in the NHL. But... Man, we saw some offensive firepower in there that I didn't think he had in his game. He has been touted as a defensive center, a defensive specialist, almost your Johan Larson 2.0. And Larson never showed the capabilities to be able to score goals like Asplund did at the end of last year. I don't think, of course, it's not going to go to the same level that it did, but can he give me 15 goals a year? Can he average 15 goals a year? Can he give me a couple of 20-goal seasons over the course of a long career while being my third or fourth-line center, being one of my top penalty killers? I'm hopeful that Asplund can be a, a real contributor because this team has always had, under the Eichel-Reinhardt era, they have had the top scorers. They've had Eichel. They've had Reinhardt. They've had O'Reilly. They've had Kane. They've had these guys up top the lineup. They've never had the depth. Never. Not up front. Larson was a good player. Giergensen's had moments. Other than that, Cody Eakins, Giantas, Molson's, really the overpaid guys in the bottom of your lineup. Disaster is what you've had. Bjork, Asplund, that is your hope for being the future of the bottom six. You need guys like that to turn out. You need them to produce. You need them to be NHL players. And you need to protect them to have them be on your team. The one guy I'm fearful of that they would protect over Bjork or Asplund is Gergensen's. Gergensen's is still young enough at 27. They just signed him last year. And I don't know, will somebody in that building want to make the case for having a veteran player somewhere in the lineup. Somebody to help show the guys how to do it. Uh, someone out there is making a snarky remark about what? Show them how to lose? But there might be... I'm hoping that there isn't. I'm hoping there's not a guy in the Sabres building that will make the case for Gergensen's to be protected over Bjork or Asplund. Especially Asplund. That seems like the more likely outcome that it's Asplund versus Gergensen's. I think Bjork's Probably safe. But it's got to be Asplund. It's got to be Asplund. Just because of the age, because he's a developing player, and because Gergensen's contract is, like, it's stupid. $2.2 million for two more years? You just watched the Sabres last year pull Tobias Reeder off the street. $700,000. An unwanted free agent. He came in, and he was good. He was fine. He replaced Gergensen's pretty well. And I found him just out and about. I, I don't need Gergensen's on that contract. I don't want him on that contract. I don't think that Seattle even takes him. But maybe that should tell the Sabres something. 
If you expose Asplund, that is who Seattle's taking. You expose Gergensens, I think they're probably taking Colin Miller. They don't want that contract, do they? That's my one fear, though, is someone in that building will make the case for Gergensens. Maybe this will tell us how much power a guy like Sam Ventura has. Because Sam Ventura and Jason Carmanos, if those guys are really pulling their weight and they are making smart database decisions, they'll know that the production you're getting for As- from Asplund for almost a third of the money is much more efficient on your salary cap and in your lineup. It's got to be Asplund. It's got to be Bjork. Expose Gergensen's. If there's no worry, though, about Gergensen's, your forwards are set. Your forwards should really be easy. Eichel, Reinhardt, Olofsson, Bjork, Thompson, Middlestad, Asplund. I'm done. Forward's good. The Skinner news today makes forward easy peasy. Skinner also to mention his possibility with Seattle. I don't think there is one. And that's even with the history between him and Jason Botcherill, who is the assistant general manager for the Seattle Kraken, who signed Skinner to his current contract. And that's with Ron Francis being the general manager of Seattle, and he has a long history with Skinner during his time with the Carolina Hurricanes. So you've got two guys with history, and even, I would say, go as far as to say positive history, with Jeff Skinner. They might be the two guys in the league that could think that Skinner on his current contract is salvageable. By the way, I am one of those people. I think Skinner is salvageable. I think he has gotten a raw deal that he has been underneath a head coach that has wanted nothing to do with him for a year and a half. Ralph Kruger never showed any effort to make Skinner work. Never. He started him off rotting on a line with Marcus Johansson, who, you know what, Johansson, I defended. I thought he was a he was what you would have expected. He was a 40-point winger. He put him at center. He was a 40-point center, playmaker, played on your second power play unit, good zone entry man. He was fine. He was okay. He could get You could get by with him on a Skinner line. But then when you put an anchor on the other side, like Vladimir Sabatka, who dragged that line down for the better course of two and a half months at the beginning of that first season. What was Skinner supposed to do? Did that that really started that was the beginning of Kruger's downfall was he didn't have the foresight to know what Skinner was as a player and how to make him the most efficient. He didn't know how to get the most out of his player. Skinner has always been throughout his entire career has been a guy that scores goals, but he relies on others to create those scoring opportunities for him. And he will produce at a higher rate than many once he's in those scoring opportunities. But he never got the opportunities under Kruger. It was Sabatka in year one, and then it was fourth line and healthy scratch in year two. No effort whatsoever from Kruger to make Skinner work. And Granado did a little of it. He Brought him up off the fourth line. The ice time went up a little bit. Maybe not as much as it should have. He didn't have an Eichel to play with. So there was really never the opportunity to play with an elite centerman. But you saw a little more creativity. Middlestad and Skinner were paired a lot together over the course of the back half of last year. A little bit of creativity. And I'm hopeful that Skinner, when paired with the right centerman, can still be an efficient goal scorer in the league. I don't think he'll... 
It's hard to say. Will he ever get back to 40 goals? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. But I think there's still a 20 to 30 goal scorer in there. I don't think he's shot. And I think you've got to play around with it a little bit. You've got to find the right line mate. Maybe that's a Dylan Cousins. Maybe that's Middlestat. Maybe that's whoever this guy's going to be that you get in an Eichel trade. Maybe, maybe it's Alex Turcott or Trevor Zegras or Matthew Boldy. But I think Skinner still holds some value. It's not $9 million worth of value. But there is value in having Jeff Skinner. And I think that could be the mindset of the Seattle front office. Could Botcherill and Francis be sitting in the war room thinking, they've just been ruining Skinner for two years. We bring him here. We'll know how to use him. We'll know, we know this guy can score goals. We've both seen it. we both committed to it. We can get that to work again. But because of the contract, the Sabres got to give us something. And I'm wondering if there's any scenario where the Sabres could give Seattle something of value to take Skinner's contract. It's six years, $9 million per. So it would have to be some real value. My partner in crime normally on the nightcap here, Brendan Keeney, who's not with us tonight, he tweeted earlier, would you trade Jack Quinn for Seattle to take Skinner's contract? And the no's were very aggressive about their no. Like, what are you, nuts? Bananas crazy. Like, just lots of, not quite insults, but a lot of uh, heavy adjectives being thrown Brendan's way on that idea from the no side. But it was only 60% that said no. The other 40% said yes. I'm a no, but I'm not all the way, I'm not saying you're an idiot. If you want to do it, it's one of the worst contracts going in hockey. Even me, someone that would tell you that I think Skinner is salvageable. It's one of the worst contracts in hockey. Six years, $9 million. He's a 29 year old winger. Just from that standpoint, if he was a free agent today, forget the last two years. You don't give a 29 year old a six year, $9 million per year deal. The value of getting that contract away from you in the long term is valuable. It's not the same to me as Okposo. Okposo's got two years left at $6 million per year. That's a bad contract. But what am I doing in the next two years? I'm not doing anything in the next two years with Kyle Okposo. So why do I need to get, or I'm not going to be anywhere near the cap probably. I might have trouble getting the cap floor. I need Okposo's salary. I'm not getting rid of that. I'm not giving anyone anything to take that contract. Because in the next two years, I'm not going to need the cap space. Skinner's different. Skinner's on the books till 2027. Travis Yost was on earlier from TSN, and he made a point a couple times about how quick the turnover is in hockey. You start a rebuild, and if it works, you're good in two to three years. And in two to three years, Skinner's going to have four years left on his deal. At $9 million per year, that's when I want to be targeting getting good. And I don't want a $9 million anchor at the bottom of my lineup. In terms of cap, maybe he's still giving you, you know, even 20 goals in his early 30s. But I'd much rather have the cap space. Getting rid of Skinner to me is not about, oh, I don't need cap in the next couple years. It's about... I might really want that $9 million in three years if I'm starting to get good. 
So, Skinner, to me, is worth exploring moving that contract off your books to the Kraken. But I think the what's... I might be in crazy, crazy land. I think it's a pipe dream that the Kraken in any way are going to take that contract. And a guy like Jack Quinn, too expensive to give up. I might throw out like, hey, you want to take that contract for Will Borgen? You want to take that contract for... I don't know. Is Rootsalainen not valuable enough? Probably not. How about the second overall pick or second round pick I've got? Top of the second round. Can I throw that in with something of another prospect? I wouldn't go crazy, but I'd throw something at him to do it. That's the forward group. I'll get into the blue line next because that is really where the most interesting part of this is gonna is gonna be. What is going to happen with the Sabres in Seattle? I think it really comes down to what the Sabres do with their blue line and who they decide to protect. And any moves, if any moves happen in the next seven days, we are coming to an end, I think, for the Rasmus Ristolainen era in Buffalo. And there's a chance that he's going to go for nothing, which will be good and it will be incredible. We'll go into that a little bit when we come back. So the nightcap with Joe DiBiase running through the expansion draft here on WGR. It's kind of a weird end if it gets there for him in Buffalo, right? Like, this is a guy who, by and large, was a fantastic hockey player on a terrible team. And this team is going to trade him because of all of the mistakes they made that were not Jack Eichel. And we've seen this with other organizations and teams in the past. But, like, you look at a team like Toronto, joke all you want about their postseason woes. They haven't had a problem getting into the playoffs with Austin Matthews. I mean, you can tear the Edmonton Oilers to absolute shreds. They have been substantially more competitive in the McDavid era, and they have done very little to build around him. So, you know, you frame it like that, and you kind of realize how dire it's gotten around him and within the organization. And there is an argument to be made, like, hey, maybe it is time to move on and hit the reset because we've made so many mistakes in such a short amount of time uh, that this isn't really salvageable. TSN's Travis Yost on with Shopin the Bulldog earlier today. Jody Biasi back here on the nightcap on WGR. What would you give Seattle to take right to take Jeff Skinner? I almost gave away my answer. 8030550 is the phone number. We'll go to your calls in just one second. Uh Brendan Keeney at Brendan Keeney's got a poll up. Would you give up Jack Quinn? For Seattle to take Jeff Skinner in the expansion draft with no salary retained. My case for why it's not crazy is, while yes, like I've used this argument for Kyle Okposo. There's no earthly reason to move an asset to get Okposo's contract off your books. The next two years, you're not going to need cap space. And yes, the cap should go up in a couple of years. But if the rebuild works, this youth movement. In the Sabres, if it works, I think in two to three years, you're going to start getting good. You're going to want that cap space. You're not going to want a $9 million anchor on your salary cap. And it's not as if it'll only be for a year or two. You'll have it for four years. In two years, if we're ready, like what, what what would happen? This season, this upcoming season, the Sabres are down in the basement. They're awful. 
But Cousins looks pretty good, and Middlestat looks just as good as he did last year. Hey, look, Thompson is not a disaster anymore. Maybe Lukanen flashes a little bit. Maybe Rutsalainen still looks pretty good. The young guys show well enough, but they don't have the pieces to really be competitive. And they're picking at the top of the draft again next year. Maybe they're getting Shane Wright, this wonder kid that's going to be in the draft next year. One can hope. Maybe Owen, Owen Power arrives on our doorstep the next year. Hey, look, Darlene's back. Yoki Haru's good. Now I've got power, you know? Like, I'm looking around, and, like, I've got all these kids, and they're all looking pretty good. I'm ready to start building around them. Then what happens year two? A step forward. What's a step forward by the Sabres uh, means th- these days? Not the playoffs, but 20th? 18th? Like, I'm in the playoff race at the beginning of March? I don't even need to get, don't even need to get me to April. Give me to March in a playoff race with a young core. That's two years from now. And then what are we talking about? We're talking about, all right, it's go time, baby. Let's go. Who can we get in for agency? Who can we trade for? Like, let's win. Let's win. And when you're ready to say it's go time, let's win, who's going to want Skinner with four years left at $9 million per year, even if he does what I said I think still think he can in the last segment, which is get back to being a 20-goal scorer? It's just the contract, and it's the age. And, again, this is probably a pipe dream that maybe Seattle would consider this at all. But they've got Bottrell, they've got Ron Francis, there's reason to think maybe they would even think about it. I wouldn't give up Jack Quinn, but if they were willing to entertain it, I'd give up Ryan Johnson. One of the Sabres' top defense prospects, the last pick of the first round a couple of years ago, the first round pick they got for the Ryan O'Reilly trade. He had a slow first year of development after being drafted, but he was dynamite last year at the University of Minnesota. And he was very good at the World Juniors for Team USA. He projects to be a part of the Sabres blue line. Like when you talk about the Sabres blue line, you normally will get right away to Darlene, Yoki, Haru, Owen Power. Those are going to be the big three. Those are going to be the guys that are going to really, if the Sabres are going to have this elite blue line in the future, those are the big three guys that are going to make that happen. But I've got a lot of others. I've got Will Borgen. Hopefully, I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. He's around past next week. Uh, Matias Samuelson, who I thought has been a, not a good real development story for the Sabres. He actually looked all right last year as a rookie. Like, okay, maybe there's something there. Maybe that's a third-pair defenseman. And then you plug in veterans otherwhere, uh, other on other places. Ryan Johnson has always kind of been that offensive, puck-moving style defenseman, little smaller build, but he's going to be, you know, he's going to be my second power play unit guy. He's going to be a contributor. He might not have star potential, but first round, end of a first round, good development last year, like that's some value. That's a valuable prospect. And I would, I would move him to get Skinner's contract off my books because I'm going to want to weaponize cap space in a couple years. And yeah, the cap will go up, but... Man, do I want to trust that it's going to go up enough? Because $9 million is a ton of money right now and it will be a lot of money then. It's not even like a Poso, who's $6 million. Molson was $6 million. It's $9 million. It's really like two bad contracts. Two Villilenos, almost. He's a better player than that. But it's the money. And if there's any way Seattle would entertain it, I wouldn't, again, I would not go to Jack Quinn. But I would go to Ryan Johnson. 
All right, if you got it, and I'll get into the blue line in a, in a few minutes here on the uh, on the expansion draft because that's really where there's more interesting thing and really more realistic things to talk about. This all this whole conversation is probably moot because if I'm the Kraken personally, I don't care what my relationship is, my history is with Jeff Skinner. I'm not touching a nine million dollar contract with six years left on it for that player. Uh, 803-0550 is the phone number. We're not going to go to the phone lines. We will. Look for your calls at 803-0550. Um, let's get into the blue line part of it now, actually, because this is where the big decision will happen. Will the Sabres protect Rasmus Ristolainen, or will they protect Will Borgen? They have Rasmus Dahlin and Henry Yoki Haru. Dalin and Yoki Haru. They would give... Those are the easy guys. Those are the ones that are locked in pen. But what about the third spot? And it will be... It will be amazing. Don't get me wrong. If Ristolainen gets taken by the Kraken because he's exposed. And that he leaves this organization for nothing. After seven years. Eight years, actually. It'll be incredible. You could probably write a book... With some of the offers that have been on the table for Ristolainen. You could probably write a book about it. But. He's got to go. He's got to go. And if I'm sacrificing. Whatever I could get. In a trade. If the devils who are rumored. Were rumored about a month ago. To be interested in Ristolainen. If they don't want to do that trade now. They want to wait until after the expansion draft. I don't take the risk. I'm protecting Will Borgen. He's got to be he's got to be protected. This guy has had a long development track. He's 24 years old and he really just arrived. St. Cloud State, the Amherst, the injury last year after finally getting a taste of NHL action and looking pretty good. I want to see what's there. There's some hope there. There's, you know, that could be a guy that's a part of my blue line going forward. And Would I trade that for 82 more games of Ristolainen? Not even 82 more games. Would I trade that for 50 games and then I'm getting, what, a second-round pick, a third-round pick for him at the deadline? Or am I trading it for whatever I'm getting for Ristolainen after the expansion draft? Because the only way that makes it worth it is if you're getting something as valuable or more valuable than Borgen for Ristolainen. And I don't have any confidence that's happening. Because wouldn't they have taken it already? They know the deadline's coming. A trade really has to happen in the next seven days. Or you just you expose him. You have to. He's gone. There's no way Ristolainen is signing an extension. I don't want them to sign him an extension. I think Sam Ventura being in the organization, Jason Carmanos, I now have a lot of confidence that they also don't want Ristolainen here long term. So it's coming to an end. Irregardless of what they think, about him as a player, what the fans think, like he's gonna want out. He's wanted out forever, and he's getting out. He's got one year left. You can't risk Borgen. It's not some superstar prospect. It's not the most valuable piece in the world. But it's it's just a, such a simple decision. You take the guy that could mean something to your organization going forward over something that's an expiring asset. And Come Saturday at 5 o'clock when they have to have this protection list in, 
if there's a single offer on the table for Ristolainen, you've got to take it, don't you? I mean, maybe you don't want to take a six-round pick for him to save face. But I would take anything. Anybody. Call me up. Maybe there's negotiations going on behind the scenes. Maybe Adams, Kevin Adams has three deals on the table for Ristolainen. And he's trying to squeeze out a little bit more. He's going to play it up right to the last minute. And he's going to take the best offer. Maybe that's what's happening behind the scenes. Or maybe it's crickets. Maybe it's radio silence on the Ristolainen trade front. And if someone calls you at 4 o'clock, an hour before the protection list needs to be in on Saturday afternoon, and they're like, hey, hey, it's uh, who'd be calling? Who, who needs a defenseman? I was going to say Ken Holland, but I, need, I had to stop myself because they, they already made their dumb defense move with uh, Duncan Keith. Winnipeg. Let's just go back to the Winnipeg. It, inevitably, right? Let's let's make it Winnipeg. After all these years, it's going to be the Jets. Kevin Day off on the phone. He calls up. And he says, Kevin, I'll give you a fifth-round pick for this guy that they were probably offering a lot more from back in the day. We'll give you a fifth-round pick for Ristolainen. You just just say done. That's your text back. That's your reply if it's a phone call. I don't know how these GMs do it these days. Email, whatever it is. Maybe they send a letter. Get, get a pigeon out there as fast as possible. Done. A fifth-round pick, whatever you want. Because you're going to lose him for nothing anyway. You should lose him for nothing. I think we're in the final days of Ristolainen's career with the Sabres. And it's been a long time coming. Such a long time coming. I can't even put it into words how long of a time it's been coming. That's happening. I think it's got to happen. It'll blow my mind if it doesn't. We'll see. And that's the expansion list. That's what you're looking at. So in my projection here... What do I got? Eichel, Reinhardt, Olofsson, Bjork, Thompson, Middlestad, Asplund. That's your seven forwards. Your three defense are Rasmus Dahlin, Henry Okiharu, Will Borgen, and goalie. Just go protect the negotiating rights for Linus Allmark. Doesn't matter all that much. Expansion draft is next Wednesday. I'll be hosting it live here on WGR. We'll have, co- we'll have coverage. The Nightcap will start at 7. The expansion draft starts at 8 o'clock. We'll be on the air for that. Uh, and the protection list comes out at 5 o'clock on Saturday. I'm not sure if we're going to know what the protection list is ahead of time. I think we probably will. We'll have to because the NHL is making a show out of this. Uh, ESPN 2. So we'll know at some point uh, what the Sabres protection list is. 803-0550 is the phone number. If you want to answer the question of what you would trade to get Jeff Skinner off of the Sabres books, give me a call at 803-0550. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Last call after this on WGR. Welcome back. Last call in the Nightcap here on WGR. We have got an interesting All-Star Game format going on in the WNBA. The All-Star Game going on right now. They're at half. The WA All-Stars are WNBA All-Stars are beating Team USA. 44 to 43. I love this format. It is a warm-up for Team USA who is going to the Olympics while also playing as good of competition that you're going to get. And it's also, I mean, it's ladies that were snubbed on that tournament or on that team. Like, if you thought you should have been on that Team USA, well, this is your chance to prove it. And they're winning right now. And that's got to be a story. I love the format in the first place. Do that everywhere. Every sport. I love the Team USA versus the rest kind of idea. Um, 
803-0550 is the phone number. I've got a little bit more for you on the expansion draft, and then we will wrap for the night. I am getting calls during the break on what you would trade Jeff Skinner for or what you would trade to get Jeff Skinner to Seattle uh, with his contract. I said Ryan Johnson, and the reason, one of the biggest reasons I said as I would pick him over Jack Quinn is it's the defense versus the forward. I think the Sabres are a lot stronger. I don't even know if this is really controversial. It's probably not. That the Sabres are a lot stronger in their blue in their prospect pool on the blue line than they are up front. The blue line pool, you've got, and I'm going to include guys that are in the NHL, like 23 and younger guys. You've got Darlene, Yoki Haru, you're going to have Owen Power. Ryan Johnson, who I mentioned, would be the guy I would send. Will Borgen, if, and hopefully he's still on the team a week from now. Matias Samuelson. You got guys all over. And especially, it's mostly about the big three. Power, Yoki Haru, Darlene. Forward, I got Cousins, who I'm even not all the way sure about. And it's really, I got to get the Jurgensen's comparison out of my mind. Because after one NHL season, they're like the same prospect. I've got to get that comparable out of my mind. Because that was that was amazing how bad it went for Gergensen's. But Cousins is your most valuable forward prospect. But, I mean, I've got Jack Quinn there. And I'm not saying I love Jack Quinn. And there's a lot of Jack Quinn hate out there right now um and I think it's deserved he was not good in the AHL bad situation for him but he was not good in the AHL it was a controversial pick in the first place I mean I I listen to Sabres Twitter I like listening to Sabres Twitter when it comes to the draft they nailed it on Cole Caulfield and they wanted Marco Rossi who didn't get the play last year because of COVID but it was Marco Rossi well over Jack Quinn. Jack Quinn wasn't even in the conversation. And I trust that. I trust it. I do. And But just because he was went too high at 8 and he didn't have a great year with Rochester, I would think there he's a close enough, if not even still a better prospect in many people's minds than Ryan Johnson. But it's more about the defense versus the forward. If I trade Jack Quinn, what's coming through my system up front? Asplund, I, I will like as a bottom six piece. And same goes for even Anders Bjork. And Middlestat. Thompson, I don't have a lot of confidence in. But Middlestat would add to that equation as well. Anybody else? What's what's going on with Matej Pekar? That seems like that's kind of gone away. Um, Is Rutsalainen count for this? He's 23. I guess he should. So Rutsalainen maybe also. So I, I can make the case for some guys, but... There's not enough. There's not enough. There's not enough volume at this point in prospect forwards. Now, if you tell me what the Eichel trade is tomorrow, uh, and you're getting Matthew Boldy and Marco Rossi, or you're getting Quentin Byfield, or you're getting Trevor Zegras, then, you know, maybe I'd be fine. I'd probably be okay sending Quinn away instead. But either one of them, the Skinner contract if there's any opportunity to get rid of it. Almost any. You're not trading Dylan Cousins. You're not going to go crazy. You're not going to trade Jack Eichel. But you're going to do... I think you do it. I think if you have something reasonable that you could do, you do it. And again, I'll say this for probably the third or fourth time, but I think it needs repeating. Um, 
that. Probably a moot point because it would blow me away if they actually were able to pull that off. And Skinner probably waived his no movement clause with the intention of not leaving Buffalo. Uh, so I, I think you know that that could be that could look really bad in league circles if you if you had him do that knowing he wasn't going to get claimed and then you worked to actively send him there. All right, that's going to do it for me tonight on the Nightcap. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I, uh, As I mentioned, we're going to have an extended show next Wednesday for the expansion draft, so we'll have plenty more on that coming up next Wednesday. Um, I'll have a show again tomorrow at 7 o'clock. I want to talk a little bit about Josh Allen and his extension. Got some thoughts on that. That'll come your way tomorrow at 7 o'clock. So until then, have a good night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow here on the Nightcap on WGR. WGR.